Welcome to the Millionaire Maker Show, a podcast helping online coaches monetize their life's work and scale their businesses to create more time, more money, more freedom, and more impact. Now, with over 20 years of business building, coaching, and consulting experience, here's your host, author, speaker, and creator of the Millionaire Maker Coaching Funnel, Lindsay Anderson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of The Millionaire Maker Show. I'm so excited for our guest today. I interviewed him on one of my podcasts many, many years ago, and we talked about conversational copywriting. And today we're still talking copywriting, but we're going to bring in one of my favorite topics, which is AI. But let me let me not get ahead of myself. Let me bring on today's guest, Mr. Nick Usborne. Welcome to the show, Nick. So glad you're here. You're welcome. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's like, I, I can't remember how it, it's been years since our last conversation. So this is great. Looking forward. Yes. To it. Yes, it is. Nick, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about what you do? I am. I've been a copywriter forever, like for over 40 years in my living as a copywriter, which maybe shows a lack of imagination, but it works for me. And, um, I, I'm not a kind of hard selling copywriter. I've always been the kind of copywriter who tries to find a way to connect with the kind of human side of the audience. So a lot of time we spoke, we were talking about conversational copywriting, which, which is where, you know, I'm talking about talking to, engaging with an audience rather than selling as an audience. I, I've never been a big fan of selling. A lot of marketing is broadcasting a sales message as an audience and being, being totally oblivious to that audience. Um, so yeah, for years I've kind of advocated this, you know, see, see the person you're talking to, understand the person you're talking to, empathize with the person you're talking to and write as if you were writing to a friend across the kitchen, you know, talking to a friend across the kitchen table. Um, and, and that, so that, that approach has stayed with me and you, you mentioned like, we're now coming into a very interesting phase in, the, in marketing copywriting where artificial intelligence is beginning to have an impact. And of course, that's influenced my thinking and, and what I'm talking about as well. Yeah. And I want to dive into that just so uh, people understand what you do. Do you mostly do like bespoke programs and help people in like a custom way? Do you have a group program? Do you have a course? How do you help people with copywriting right now? I, it's, it's almost entirely courses now. So I was just like a copywriting copywriter for years. Then I got into corporate training. So I'd fly around a lot and I'd speak to, uh, web groups, um, in large companies, organizations about write digital writing for the web. And then I kind of morphed that into, I'm actually, I'm not a big company kind of guy. I'm more a personal relationship kind of person. So I actually prefer talking with and helping and training individual freelancers and individual copywriters. So, so all my training materials now are aimed at individuals at freelancers who, who want to do a better job of content writing, copywriting stuff, social media writing, that kind of primarily delivered through courses. Yes, I do. I have, yeah, yeah. I've got a whole bunch of courses and then people kind of pick and choose. Let's hop into the hot topic episode today, which is artificial intelligence. Now, the one that comes up for me is chat GPT. So my first yeah. question for you is, as we're talking about AI, can you set some context here so the audience understands what you mean specifically? It is a, an immensely complicated, fast moving target right now. Um, there are lots of different tools. I, th I think ChatGPT and GPT-4 are the ones that uh, as writers, as small business people, we're most familiar with. 
Um, it's the one that kind of broke through into the kind of public imagination late last November. Uh, and, and it was astonishing because I'd been using AI before that, but then along came chat GPT and it was like, it was like 10 years of progress had been made over the course of a weekend. It was just, I was astonished, absolutely astonished by the quality of output compared to the tools that were available the week before. So most of what I'm talking about when I, when I'm talking with freelancers, when I'm talking with an audience, um, and about copywriting, most of them I'm talking about chat GPT as the AI component. Okay. And so will chat GPT be the death of the copywriter, Nick? <laughs> It'll be, it'll, it'll be the death of the lazy copywriter, I think for sure. So if you are just kind of knocking stuff out, if you are, you know, if, if you're writing 10 blog posts a day for 25 bucks and you're not really putting much of yourself into them, uh, ChatGPT can probably already do a better job. Um, and, and there are a lot of companies out there that are replacing some of their human writers with, with ChatGPT. Uh, some of those companies, I think, are making a mistake. Um, others, if they're careful about it, I, I get it. I understand the cost saving. Um, it, it needn't be the death of us, but we do have to up our game and we do have to recognize. I mean, I, I, I did a survey um, a couple of weeks ago uh, to my list asking copywriters. These are all professional copywriters. I, I said, are you not at all worried about AI? Are you kind of worried but not freaking out are you freaking out and i was kind of surprised i think very very few people were freaking out um about uh about 60 percent were uh I'm, I'm aware slightly worried but there was a large block of like almost 40 percent of writers who hey i'm not worried at all and that that surprised me because i think we should as, as writers as hey, writers copywriters designers illustrators uh, all of these areas that are touched by AI, we, we need to be aware. And my answer to that and my recommendation when I, when I'm talking with people is lean into it, like, like get ahead of your, get ahead of your peers, learn as much as you can about these tools, you know, as possible and as quickly as possible because they are, they are remarkable. I mean, I mean, I use, I use ChatGPT every single day, one way or another. I may be doing it for brainstorming, for research, for sentiment analysis, for first draft, for outlines. Uh, it's, it's not, it doesn't stop there. I, I don't just deliver that, that output, but oh boy, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's like having the smartest person in the world sort of sitting next to you and helping you out when you, when you want to understand how to do things. So I don't shy away from it. I lean into it. Um, and I guess I've always done that with new tech. Like I, you know, I was early to web one. I built my first website in 1995. Um, so I, I get excited by new technologies and this one of all that I've come across in my career. And like I mentioned, it's like 40, over 40 years. This, I think is the one that will have the greatest impact. And it's up to us as individuals, of, are we going to ride this wave like a surf, like on a surfboard and like, really it's, it's going to be great. Or are we going to kind of cover our eyes and actually get overwhelmed by the wave? And so, and yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen both ways. Some people are, you know, when, when I had that survey, I wrote back in my newsletter, I said, hey, just if you're one of the people who said you're not worried at all, I'm not saying worry. I'm just saying be aware. Like don't, don't hide from this. Lean into this. Learn about this. Yeah. I teach the same thing. I believe that it's a lot like when social media came on the scene and a lot of people are like, yeah, I don't care and I'm not. I'm not going there. And then you regret it because like AI is here to stay. 
And it's a skill that you have to learn. Like you can't just sit down and chat GPT and you get crap out and then you throw your computer away, but it's a skill just like everything else we do online. You got to figure out how to give it enough context to give you back what you're looking for. So I couldn't agree more. And that like, if you're not using it, your competitors are and everybody else is. And so you may as well jump on right now while everybody is kind of like learning and figuring it out. And, 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 and like beyond that, beyond becoming as expert as you can with these tools and ChatGPT isn't the only one and it won't be the last one. Uh, right. you know, we, we just have to watch out for what's coming, but I'm also saying, look, take a step further and identify what it is you can bring to the table that AI can't. And there's one more answer to that, and that is emotion. Um, you know, ChatGPT can't taste ice cream. It can't fall in love. It can't stub its toe. It has no sensory experience of the world. It has no childhood to talk about with this, with family and friends. So, so we have this thing called emotion <laughs> that ChatGPT, these tools can't have. They can read about emotion. They can read what humans have written about emotion, but they can't feel it. So what I'm teaching now is look, take AI, artificial intelligence, but layer it with EI, which is emotional intelligence. All right. Now add, adding emotion to the mix as a copywriter and a content writer, as, as a communicator has always been smart. You, you always want to lead with emotion. Um, people get bored with description and marketing, blah, 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 but we're very drawn and engaged by emotion because it's, it's something we have in common. It's cross-cultural, cross-demographics. We, we, it's our birthday, it's Christmas, it's a new kid is born, you know, we've got a, we got a puppy or whatever it is. We, we all kind of respond in a similar ways emotionally. Um, so what I'm teaching now is look, AI plus EI, artificial intelligence plus emotional intelligence. So I will take output from ChatGPT and structurally and factually and like it's, it's, it's and it writes well, it, it's uh, more, it does better grammar than I can do. It's spelling is way better than mine. Um, but I'll take that and I'll say, okay, how can I now infuse this with emotional intelligence? Cause when I do that, two things happen. One is I'm writing better copy because the reader responds more to emotion than just the facts. The other thing is I am, I, I have a course called future proof copywriting. I'm future proofing myself against the rise of AI by becoming a writer who does both AI plus emotional intelligence, because it's certainly for the foreseeable future, AI won't be able to do that. It doesn't have that sensory experience of our world. So I've, I've written a ton of blog posts on this and people can find those on my website where I'm talking about sensory experience or memories or stories or so, so I'll take a, I'll take a piece of output from chat GPT and say, okay, how do I turn this into something more human? How do I appeal emotionally? How can I weave story into this? How can I put something sensory in here, tasting something, hearing something, smelling something, stubbing your toe on a rock, something that makes it human in a way that chat GPT can't do. And I think that will make for much, much stronger copy. And it will also protect us against the rise of AI because AI is going to get better at writing, but we will always be, be better at emotion. At least we should be if we try a little. Can you, can you give me just like a hardcore example of what you're talking about there? I, 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 I did, I'm, I'm always kind of playing with chat GPT. I asked it to write an email for me and, and you, and it was about that. Um, you know, that thing where you, you go somewhere and you 
somebody's across the room and you say, oh, look, and you start walking towards them and you can't remember the name, their name. All right. So I said, write me a story. Like, we're going to set this up with a story. I said, write me a story about that moment. And it did quite well, but it was like, it was secondhand. It was a secondhand. So I took it and then I remember, because I'm terrible like that. I got a memory, I have terrible memory for names and it's incredibly embarrassing for me and everyone else around. So I was thinking of a situation where I went to a, a conference and this, this guy, I, I mean, I've known him for 20 years. He's like, a, he's not a deep personal friend. We don't even live in the same country, but we've met many times and we're good friends like work-wise. And I just could not for the life of me remember his name. And in he smiled because he knew I was a bit of an idiot like that way. Um, but, but it's like, so I, 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 I took, Chad GPT got as far as, okay, I can do story. But I had to step in with a real story. And when you read my story, as opposed to the generic version, all of a sudden it's real. Yeah. All right. I can actually ask, you, you can ask, you know, you, ChatGPT will, will do some output and I can say, hey, can you make that sound um, a little more conversational? And it will. I mean, it's pretty good. It's very good at following just chat instructions like, but it's always, it, it, when it comes to emotion, it'll never it can never cross that divide of actually that firsthand emotion. So when I talked about what happened to me at the conference with this friend and my embarrassment and him laughing because he knew that I'd forgotten because he's still dressed up, you can't, ChatGPT can't do that because it hasn't had that experience. It hasn't had that fr friendship or that history. So that's what I try to put into my copy is something where as a human reader, you can recognize that it's real and you can empathize. So empathy. Empathy is one of the kind of core domains of emotional intelligence. So emotional intelligence is a thing. I'm sure you've read the book or, or you know of the book by yeah. Daniel Goleman. Uh, so that was written back in 1995, where he identified emotional intelligence as being a very, very important part of our lives and the success of our lives. It's not just about cerebral intelligence. It's also emotional intelligence, how, how well we understand our own emotions, how, how well we relate to other people and recognize other people's emotions. Um, and, and, and a key within those domains is, is empathy, is feeling empathy for other people, which uh, I guess we all like to think we're good at that, but we're probably not quite as good as we like to be. Yeah. And, and, and I, I know sometimes I, um, I get it. And I know some other times I've walked away from a meeting or something and said, oh man, I totally missed that cue, that pause, that, that micro expression, that moment where I misread someone's emotion and, and I could have expressed empathy, but I didn't. So empathy is incredibly important to any kind of communication. And again, ChatGPT can't do that. It doesn't have that. It can't do it. It can't do it. Uh, so maybe at some point in the future, it will get closer. Uh, but certainly for the time being, this is how we write better copy. We communicate better and how we defend our jobs as communicators is, is by weaving in emotional intelligence which we should do anyway, but it's just very timely right now. So we can, we don't have to be scared of AI. We can use it to the max and we should, because it can increase our productivity. It's like dramatic. And it, and it has for me, it's improved my writing because of the research capabilities, the brainstorming capabilities. It's come up with ideas that I'd never occurred to me. Like it, it's yeah. brought two or three things together and, and it'll come out with a fourth, third or fourth thing. And I'm like, man, I hadn't thought of that, but. So that, that's interesting because people say, oh, well, AI can't be creative. But that moment I just described, I think is a moment of creation. I think that is creative where, where you take one thing and another thing and you come up with a third idea, which I hadn't thought of, but ChatGPT had. 
Uh, so, so I'm a huge fan of it and I use it as, as much as I'm capable of. And, I, and I'm learning, I'm taking a couple of courses right now to get better at it, but always at the end, I'm going to add in that emotional. And, and it goes back to the conversation we had years ago about conversational intelligence. It's the same thing. It's that ability to engage with someone at a human emotional level. So they feel you rather than just hear you. Yeah, as you said at the beginning of the show, you're talking like with somebody, not just at somebody, and that makes the most effective sales copy, audience building, and connection with your prospect and clients. Absolutely, yeah. So what would you say to this prediction? It is my prediction now that like all the, all the business owners are going to be, and digital marketers and all these people are going to be using ChatGPT, and like the level of the content that's out there is going to be massively up-leveled. Like it used to suck, but now everybody's using ChatGPT, which is going to require those individuals who actually want to get the attention of people that they have to also step up their game even more so that they're not just wrapped in that. Are you a bot or are you like somebody who knows what they're talking about? And so I also think that emotion is the only way to come across, come out that way. I, I agree. And then I'll add a couple of other things. One is I, I've written about this, describing it as the sameness trap. If we all yes. use the same tool, if we all use ChatGPT, our output begins to sound the same, inevitably. Yes. All right. Uh, and part of that is we're being just a little lazy and we're, 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 we're just, we're just like letting ChatGPT do almost all the work. So, so that's a problem, the sameness trap of where things begin to look the same. And company, I said earlier that some companies are letting a lot of writers go. And I said, I think some of those will, companies will regret it. And it's because of this, this point, the sameness traps is if the output is for saying, you know, companies have spent, many companies have spent decades building a brand, a unique positioning. If they all start using these tools too much, it's like shooting yourself in the foot, right? It's, it's like you, you, you lost that unique feel, that unique voice around which you built your brand, at least in part, a brand can be, you know, part of its words, part of its visual, part of its behavior. Um, but certainly the writing part of that brand that supports that brand, that voice, uh, goes like, for instance, I have, I have all kinds of writing projects that I do and I use ChatGPT a huge amount. My website, nickosborn.com, which is my place, there's not a single word there written by ChatGPT. I don't use it at all because without the voice of me, I'm nothing. Yes. If, if on Nick Osborne, my business is nickosborn.com. My business is me. All right. It, it always, it has been forever. I've been freelancing for like 35 of the 40 years that I've been working as a copywriter. So I cannot compromise my voice. All right. Uh, and you'll get other, are you familiar with Anne Handley? Yes. All right. She has like a marvelous, unique voice. She's one of the best writers I know out there. Uh, she's a remarkable writer and you can, it's like, it's like, I can, I can recognize Anne Handley's writing from like 20 meters, if that makes any sense. It doesn't, but it's like you read something written by her and, it, and it's by Anne. She has this unique, extremely human, very emotionally engaging voice. She would and should never pass off that writing task to ChatGPT she'll lose her brain. She loses her, that, that unique attribute that is her voice. Uh, and all of us to some degree will do that. Like I say, so I never use chat GPT for my personal stuff. If I'm writing a newsletter, if I'm writing emails to my list, if I'm writing blog posts, if I'm creating a course, 
Like if I'm creating a course, I'll for sure, I'll help, ChatGPT will help me structure, outline, throw up a few first draft, like um, topic titles, things like that. But then I'll take that and then I'll make it my own and I'll record it in my own voice like this. Um, I think I've missed that. I've forgotten the second half of your question, but I think that answers the first half. I think you you did the same the same trap, and then how to yeah. overcome that is back to emotion and and not being like you we're gonna have to use our own voices here. Yeah. So so yes, I think in in, in for companies to shine, like wait, that's right. You were talking about kind of raising the bar and the quality going up. Is these tools will help us raise the quality, but at the possible expense of that sameness trap. So we have to, even though we say, hey, we're producing five times as much content, which is easy with ChatGPT. Yeah. I mean, I, I can write something and I can like say a blog post and I can say to ChatGPT, hey, write me 20 tweets in support of this article. And it'll do it, bang, bang, bang. And very, very soon now, probably within weeks, I'm going to be able to say to tools within my Google suite or my Microsoft suite, I'm going to be able to say, hey, send those out through my Nick Eisenborn Twitter account. I won't even have to do it. I'll just give a verbal instruction. And I'll talk to my computer and that'll be taken care of. And I'll say, oh, by the way, and also just send a thank you note to Lindsay, <laughs> yeah. which, I, which I definitely shouldn't do because I should be writing that myself. So I wouldn't actually do that. Um, but it's getting to the point now, like so far, these tools, I can give it instructions on writing or, or creating images with, with Midjourney or Dali 3 or tools like that, which I, which I love and use as well. But there's... So that again, we're going to hit benefits and traps where I can say, Hey, I want to send an email to Lindsay thanking her for having me on the show, which he will do very well. And it'll send off the email, but I just made a mistake because I shouldn't do that. If it's a personal, any, anything that is facing, if, if you're speaking to friends, to colleagues within your network, you need to be yourself. All right. You know, if, if, if I'm writing to some service provider, sure, I can tell AI to do it for me. But, but it's that same rule that I have, like everything on my own website is my own writing. Uh, so th there will always be this balance, right? Uh, of I want to use these tools to the max, but I don't want to, I don't want to compromise my brand. I don't want to kind of slip up and, and send out an email to you that my boss has written and I haven't even reviewed because there could be something silly in there. There's so, yeah. It, it, it's, it's fascinating times, but I, like right now, like Sam, focusing a lot on teaching, particularly freelancers, but also people working in companies, how to combine AI plus AI. So artificial intelligence plus emotional intelligence. Because I think, like I say, I think that goes for even better content and copy. You're raising the bar even more, but it also defends us against companies thinking, oh, well, we don't need writers like Nick. Because yes. then what I, what I want them to pause and think, yeah, but hang on. You know, that kind of Nick emotional vibe. I think we're going to lose that if we just go with AI. That's what I need people. That's what we need people to think is that I can, I, I want to get rid of the writer because I can, I can use ChatGPT and save 90% of the cost, but I'm not going to do that because I'm going to lose something really special if I do that in spite of the cost saving. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Do you, along those lines, since you are kind of teaching people how to combine AI and EI, can you share with us? Just a few of your favorite tips on that. Touched on it before. Is is like I will if if someone's writing content or copy or something like that, 
and they're using ChatGPT to do some brainstorming, to do some research, to do an outline. At that point, I say, okay, pause before we get into final draft and you feel yourself locked into anything because it's like looking really good. Come back to those human elements, the sensory part. Can I smell it? Can I feel it? Can I feel the wind in my hair? Can I, I'm on the beach. Can I feel it? Can I, can, I, can, I, can I taste the salt in the air on my tongue? All right. Um, can I hear the wind? Can I, can I hear the gulls above me? So, so sensory things, um, and anything that's experiential, like actually are going, you, are you saying like people should write that in? Like, I feel the salt on my tongue. Is that what you're, is that what you're saying? Literally only if that particular example sense. made, made, made absolute sense. But, but I think most of what I talk about, Hey, if, if, if I'm selling, if, if, if I, if I'm pitching your, your podcast, I'm writing you some copy for your podcast. I'm going to find something about the day that Lindsay tripped over the plant when she was going to the studio and she laughed like crazy. And it turned out that was the best show ever. All right. So I, I'm telling a story which, which chat GPT can't do because it hasn't heard the story. We're going to laugh about it a bit, even though you've got a bruise on your shin. Uh, so we're going to, I'm going to find something that, that is real, that is real human experience and that there is emotion because actually I didn't realize you had it in you, but you curse like a sailor when you, you know, when you tripped up on the way in. So that's something we can share with the audience because that's something they don't know about you. So the, these human elements is usually, and even, even B2B, um, I was looking at a, the, the, an example I sometimes quote is imagine in some design studio or, or, web, or web, create, web design group. And this web designer wants to get this wonderful new computer screen. And it's, it's one of those curved, wide, big things that cost $10,000. She's going to go to a supervisor. And, and, and the real reason she wants it is because she just fell in love with it. It's just so freaking awesome and, and lovely. And she wants the screen, but she can't go to a supervisor like that. She has to go and say, hey, Janice or Frank or whatever, we should, well, I think we can really improve our productivity if I get this larger screen, because now the web team can gather behind me and we can all look to get. So there's always this play of emotion against rational argument. It's, it's, it's the prefrontal cortex is saying, hey, this will help our productivity. It's my amygdala that is saying, I want that screen. I just want it. So, so that, that's another way of looking at it is, is the old brain and the new brain. So our amygdala, the, the bit at the back is the bit, is the fight or flight. It's the, it's the love it, hate it. It's the, all, all those emotional responses. And in fact, it, it drives almost, but, but that the amygdala, which is actually the, the trigger for an emotional response drives almost every purchase decision we make. Uh, the car I buy, I buy cause it makes me feel good. I want it. The clothes I buy, I buy because they make me feel good. The, the food I buy is because it makes me feel good. I like the taste. We, we, we're addicted to what makes us feel good. And we use our prefrontal cortex, the, the, the rational brain, to justify all these decisions that we make. So I'm going to, so, so the, you know, the, there's cortisol, there's oxytocin, there's all these sort of hormones and chemicals in our minds that are, that are triggering responses, feel good, feel bad, you know, feel anxious, feel relaxed. And, and we're very emotional beings. So, so as a writer, so I'm trying to weave this back in now as a writer, that's what I want to do. I want to find these examples. I want to find shared experiences. I want to make you feel, oh, oh, I know how bad that feels. Oh, oh yeah. Gorgeous. I love that. I love that too. I love that too. I agree. You know, so now we've got this emotional connection. So in, in terms of examples, like 
like I say, it could be B2B, it can be B2C. I, I'm not really, I'm always a P2P writer, person to person. I don't care if it's consumer or business. I'm just a person to person writer. Cause it's always, we always actually, even when it's a B2B purchase, we are responding in the same way. I want that. I want, um, and that's, that's what I'm looking for. And it, and it, and it's, and it is, it's weird times right now with AI. And also when you remember that we're like in, with AI, we're like on day one of a hundred day journey. Yes. This thing, this thing has not finished evolving or developing. Um, it's going to be week by week, month by month. There's going to be new advances and surprises. So that, that's why I say to people, Hey, lean into this. The, the, the way you're going to survive and thrive is to lean into this uh, and be as good as you can with all of these new tools. And don't be, you know, don't be the candle maker who says, oh, electric light bulbs will come to nothing. It's just a passing fad. Or, or the, you know, the carriage maker saying automobiles, no, nobody will buy the automobiles. Uh, and it's a bit like if, if you sit back right now and say the AI thing, uh, passing fad, it'll come to nothing. Uh, I, I fear for you if, if that is genuinely your position. And, and I know I've I got colleagues of a similar generation to me, uh, very, very able, very, very smart. And there's a couple, at least a couple of them who are absolutely say, oh, AI, it'll come to nothing. It can't do anything good. And I'm like, seriously? And I'm like, how much time have you spent using it? Oh, I don't use it. And I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> they don't so, know. They don't understand. So, yeah, they, yeah, they, they 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 just don't know. So so that is the group of, of of writers, designers, photographers, copywriters that that I that I'm concerned for them because it, it's going to hit them, and it and it already is. Um, I was listening to a story of a an illustrator who had been doing like very high end. He was doing high end work for some very large magazines and companies, and had been for a couple of decades. And then he felt the work just falling off, falling off, falling off. And, and one day he got a phone call recently from one of these big former clients that he hadn't heard from in months and said, oh, they were saying they're giving him a breach. They wanted him to do an illustration for, I think it was a magazine cover. And he said, Hey, I haven't heard from you guys. And they said, oh yeah, that's true. I said, well, we're reaching out to you now because our AI engineer is overwhelmed with other work. In other oh, words, oh. we would be doing the cover with AI. But our AI engineer is too busy. So now as a second best, we're going back to a human to do it for us. That's scary. That's scary. Yes. <laughs> I, you know, I think overall, the message here is, is that you can't ignore it because it's here to stay. You may as well yeah. dive in with everybody else and learn it. It's a skill. And copywriting and really connecting with your prospects and your customers comes down to emotion. Like you have to connect with them, just like you always said years ago. You have to connect with them on an emotional level and that's best done by having just like a human to human conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Always keep it emotional. Always keep it person to person. You know, be empathetic, use experiential examples, use sensory examples, do the things that chatbots cannot do because they're not human and they don't have yeah. five senses. I agree. I agree. Well, Nick, I have another question for you to finish this up here. So here you yeah. are. You're 40 years into your online business. You have an audience. You sell courses. You're, you know, you're an expert at what you do. Looking back over your 40 years, now you're a successful online business owner. What is like one piece of advice that you would give yourself when you started? Like, what is something that you could share with us? 
I can't speak for everyone, but, but certainly what has worked for me is always to lean into the future. Uh, never, never stop where you are. Um, and, and I say, this may not be the right advice for everyone, but for myself, if I, if I'm not moving, I, I tend to get a little bored. And if I get bored, I don't do as good work as I could. Uh, I do my best work when I'm kind of leaning into the edge of something. I get excited about new things. Uh, I would do that. I would also share the, and I don't know how relevant it is, but if you ask me like life's advice, I, I, this was when I was at school, at high school, we went on some trip and we were the guests of the Norwegian army. There was a group of us and this Norwegian army captain, he gave us a backpack. It was a day's orienteering hike and we were in groups of three each and he gave us a backpack with water and a compass and a map. And he said, okay, you've got to get to that point there and you're going to pick up a red flag and then you're going to come back here in time for dinner. And he gave me this advice. He gave us this advice before we left. He said, Hey, this is some pretty wild country out here. And if there ever comes a point where the map and the land disagree, always, always remember it's the land that's correct. And that was like one of those things that just went boom, like boom into my brain. Because it applies to so many things where you get, people will tell you something, but when you look in front of you, you think, that's not true, or that's not what I'm seeing, or that's not what I'm experiencing. But so many people like follow the instructions or follow the rules or follow the directions, even though they themselves in their gut, they're looking at what's in front of them and saying, that doesn't fit. The person is telling me to do this, but that, that's not what I'm seeing or what I'm feeling. It's like always, always, the land is always correct, the map. It's often wrong. So, yeah. so whether it's instructions from a boss, from a friend, or it could be even a well-meaning family member, they'll say, oh, you should do X, Y, Z. Here's the instructions. Here is the... An AI bot. Don't forget an AI bot. Next. Yes, an AI bot says do A, B, or C. Sure. But if what you see for yourself with your own eyes is not that, then always remember what you see is correct and, and follow that. So, so that, that, from that, I, I literally felt physically the impact of that statement when he made it to me, because I think I'd had experiences in the past where perhaps tar parents or teachers had told me stuff or given me instructions that hadn't felt true to me, but I always felt that the map was correct because it was handed to me as like, this is the way. And when he told me that I literally felt it in my head, like boom, and, and it changed my life from that moment on, I changed my life. And I always understood that where the map and the land disagree, the land is always right. I love that. Nick, of course, finishing up uh, with a great story here. I would expect nothing <laughs> in this interview. All right. Before I let you go, why don't you go ahead and share with us uh, how to find you and anything else you want the audience to know? Sure. You can go to hey, anything you want to know about me, basically go to nickosborne.com. So that's N-I-C-K-U-S-B-O-R-N-E.com. My blog's there. My courses are there. You can sign up for my newsletter there. Just just dig in and poke around and, and find whatever it is that works for you. If nothing else, read the blog. Very nice. Thank you, Nick, so much for being a guest on the show. It was a real pleasure. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's always good to be here. Thank you for listening to The Millionaire Maker Show with master business coach and creator of The Millionaire Maker Coaching Funnel, Lindsay Anderson. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Until next time.